0: Good morning. morning. If you want to turn with me, our text is John chapter 2, verse 11. John chapter 2, verse 11. This beginning of signs Jesus did in Canaan of Galilee and manifest his glory, and his disciples believed in him.
1: Good morning church family. I hope you had a wonderful week. Um, It's been uh, some warm dry weather and uh, all the farmers around us were putting in seeds in the ground. It was very dusty um, and now I think they're probably all praying for rain. It's been very dry but um, unseasonably warm. Let's go ahead and pray. Um, This is our uh, for our um, communion sermon this morning. Kind Father in heaven, uh, Lord, just one more time, we approach your throne of grace as we are preparing for our sermon this morning. We pray for your spirit to be with us, to to fill us, and to draw us closer to you in some way. Lord, help us to be more like you, help us to reflect your character, help us to do your will. And uh, Lord, help us to understand the significance, the real significance of this service. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Our story today is uh, John chapter 2. This is uh, the story of the wedding supper in Cana. Um, It's the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. And he has been invited to a wedding. We're going to turn there in John chapter 2, or you could turn there. I'll start turning there. Um, Jesus is there at a wedding feast. Presumably, he's probably close family ties of some sort to this family. And um, he is uh, there enjoying the wedding feast. This is the beginning of his ministry. So John chapter 2. And we'll read through the passage, part of the passage together. I feel a little hot. Um, Let's see here. So John chapter 2 um and in this jewish wedding in a jewish wedding the the feast would last sometimes uh days or even weeks depending on the well-being the welfare sorry the the how wealthy the family was and so as they're putting on this wedding feast the family is responsible for feeding and uh Providing ample food and drink for all those who are attending. So this is many days. This is a, quite a burden on the family. Um, we gather from this story that Jesus is not a. He's not a killjoy. He's not a. My as my mic. My I just feel like it is really loud. Um, just there we go. Thank you so much. Um, and uh, thank you so much for our AV team. They're, uh, we we desperately need them, and uh, oftentimes they don't get the thanks that they need uh, or deserve because of all that they do. So thank you so much, Rick. Um, and so there's a lot going on here in this passage, um, and let's go ahead and read through this together. This is the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. The book of John highlights this as being one of the, the beginning of Jesus' miracles, and And his followers began to believe on him from that day. Let me see. I'll just start in chapter, in in verse 1. It says, On the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And don't, um, this, this isn't a, a harsh rebuke from Jesus. We're reading it from our English kind of modern way. But Jesus would have been, you need to think of it more like, dear woman, why are you trying to involve me in this? Um, this is uh, something that perhaps she was, um, you know, kind of prompting him to, Work some sort of miraculous thing we we see that he follows through eventually, but what one thing I want to highlight about this is jesus ministry he 's showing us is not governed by his mother it 's not governed by a human institution a human entity at all. Um, we find throughout jesus ministry he says he only does what his father is prompting him to do, whatever his father is is asking him to do, causing him to speak, causing him to do, he says that's what um, he does. And so we find, at least in this text, he is not doing the biddings of family. He's not doing the biddings of, um, uh, so that anyone would be able to say that he was governed by or he did, uh, his ministry was of human origin. And so his closest tie, probably on on in his human life, was to his mother. And he is basically kind of saying, it's, it's not time yet. Um, and he goes on. And his mother goes from, you know, kind of prompting him, asking him to do something as a son. And then she goes on, and his mother says to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Um, so now it, the tables turn a little bit where she is, she is pointing out he he's no longer somebody I'm I'm speaking to as a son, but now he's the Lord. He's the one that we do whatever he says. Whatever he says, we do as his servants. And so she's 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 the the transition's happening, but it's not, it's not blatantly pointed out for us. Let's keep going through the text. Now, there were set there six water pots of stone, according to the manner of the purification of the Jews, containing twenty or thirty gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, Fill the pot, water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Draw some out now, and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. And when the master of the feast had tasted it, that the water, the water that was made wine, and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water new, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and he said to them, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior, you have kept the good wine until now. This is the beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him there. There's a lot going on in this passage. There's lots of things. Um, I want to highlight a few things. Um, back in verse 10, um, the governor of the feast, the one who's overseeing it, he says, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior, however you have kept the good wine until now. Um, He's highlighting that the wine, a lot of people look at this in Christianity and say, well, Jesus made wine for them to drink at a, at a wedding. So therefore, Jesus is condoning the use of wine. Um, this is, this is the, the person that's highlighting this, he's not talking about, um, when he says well drunk, meaning they're satisfied, not meaning that they're just totally obliterated out of their mind. This was a Jewish wedding. Okay, what is the Bible? What do they know about the Bible? The Bible tells them about wine. There's so many other, how shall we say, warnings about the dangers of alcohol in the Bible, like Proverbs, where it says wine is a mocker, beer is a brawler, and those who are deceived thereby are not wise. Okay, so Jesus I, I believe that the author of the, the the governor of this feast is talking about the quality. This quality of this, whether it was so pure, like you got to think about their purification methods, or as far as straining, straining out bits and pieces of what would have been there from uh, crushing the grapes. Perhaps it was it was water. I mean, it's water turned to wine, so it's pure. Like there's nothing in it, and he's going. This is this is better than we've had yet. Usually, they start with the best. And the fact that it was brand new when wine is freshly crushed from the grape, is it fermented? No, it's brand new grape juice, right? Um, And another thing that we're going to talk about in a minute, this wine is a representation of something. And the Greek word is just, there's just one Greek word for wine or juice. It it goes either way. It It doesn't differentiate. But as we get into this, um, this wine represents something. Do you remember what the stone pots, what it says they were used for in the Bible? What does it say? For purification. So this is what they used to wash their hands or wash utensils or whatever. It was, it was, it was their, their tradition of purifying their hands before they did certain things. Jesus is showing us something here. I don't think the people got it right there in the moment. The bigger picture um, is Jesus is ushering in a new covenant. The means of purification comes through him. The means of purification is coming through his blood. The bookends of Jesus' ministry, he begins with, with this miraculous story of this wine that is brought into these water pots that are for purification. And at the end of his ministry, the capstone of his ministry, he institutes the Lord's Supper in which he says, take this wine, drink of it, all of you. This represents my blood, which is shed for many. This is the sealing of the new covenant. The bookends of Jesus' ministry revolves around our purification, revolves around The blood that was shed for our sins revolves around uh, his saving ministry in our lives. If if this is a representation of the blood of Jesus in both cases, could alcoholic wine accurately represent the pure, undefiled blood of the Lamb? No. No. There's just no way that that's possible. That alcohol would mean it's tainted with sin, which does not describe or reflect our Savior in any way. The whole point of all of this is the purification, the pure, spotless blood of the Lamb. And I think that the significance Jesus is showing us is that he's trying to show us that true purification only is coming through the blood, through his sinless, spotless blood, John the Baptist said, behold, in the, in the chapter prior, he said, behold, here's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. If, G, if this was alcoholic wine, I'm not trying to harp on that point, but I keep coming back to it. If it was alcoholic wine, it would not represent the blood of the Lamb, the pure spotless blood of the Lamb that takes away the sin of the world. Through his one sacrifice, he has made perfect and is able to save completely those who come to God through him, the Bible says. As I said later on in the Last Supper that we're celebrating today, Jesus uses wine as the symbol of the blood of the new covenant, which was shed for, for many, he says. The only real means of purification we find in the Bible come through Jesus, come through the blood of the Lamb. This was the very, the bookends of his ministry begin with this representation. He's ushering in a new covenant. And I think the words of that governor, of that feast, are also telling, you know, Jesus is ushering a new and better covenant. He said this is better than what we've been drinking all along. He doesn't know what he's saying. I believe they're almost inspired words that Jesus is ushering in a new and better covenant covenant that is based on God's promises to us and not on our promises to him. It's based on his ability to change our lives and not on our ropes of sand promises to God. Do not miss the meaning of this institution. This, the, the emblems that we will receive today are symbolic I cannot emphasize this enough. Based on the world we live on, based on events of this week, this supper is symbolic of us receiving Jesus Christ as our Savior and Him coming into our lives and purifying every aspect of our life not part of our life, not for two hours on Sabbath. He is transforming our life at home, at work. Every nook and cranny of our life, He wants to come in and clean out the sinful part of it. We have to get that. He is in the business of transforming who we are He is admonishing us to repent, to turn away from our sinful life, away from our sinful lusts, and He is saying, I have the power to help you to do that. This is symbolic of us accepting and receiving Jesus in our life every single day. Because, because of... It's pointless otherwise. There's no reason to do it. It represents Jesus coming into our life, transforming us into his image again. James puts it this way. He says, "He says, if a person claims to be religious but they can't bridle their tongue. Their religion is vain. Meaning, if it's not changing your life, then why are you even doing it? What's the point? There's no power in it. This is what our service is about today. These emblems represent something. It's a representation of Jesus transforming who we are, cleaning out the sin of our lives, and helping us to be like him. If we're not doing that, if it's not changing our life, the devil will take us in ways that are irreversible sometimes, (laughs) ruining families, ruining churches, ruining communities. It's a serious thing. <laughs> As seventh-day Adventist, we practice open communion. So if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, um, you're welcome to participate in the service with us today. Um, Jesus at the Last Supper when he instituted the Last Supper, he said, "Take he broke his body that was going to be broken for us." He broke the bread, He gave it to them. He said, "This is my body." Take it, eat it, receive me as your savior. And he said, this is the cup of the wine that uh, that represents the blood that was shed for many. Drink of it, all of you. And he also instituted the ordinance of humility or the foot washing service. He says, if I have washed your feet, then you also ought to wash one another's feet. And so we also... Because of the Lord's command, we do that as well. Um, we are going to break for that, and we will have the foot washing service, and then we will reconvene back in here in a few minutes—a few uh, ten or so minutes—and we will have, we will receive the emblems uh, that represent our Savior. So we can dismiss for now. As Jesus went up to the Mount of, as Jesus was having the Last Supper with his um, disciples, he um, we know the story of he was giving us the symbology of how the bread represents his broken body and the blood that would be shed and would confirm the covenant covenant for many. Um, and Jesus wants to live in each one of us, and he wants to he wants us to reflect him. He wants us to reflect his character. He doesn't want us to, to hide aspects of our lives from him. He wants us to be like him in every way. And that's what this service very much symbolizes is our receiving of him as our savior and the work that he wants to do in our lives. And so now we'll have the deaconesses uncover. Thank you. Um, we'll now have a a prayer for the bread. Miss Amy is going to have the prayer for the bread, and then we will distribute the bread.
0: To Jesus. Thank you that you are the bread of life. Amen. That you were willing to come from the glories of heaven all the way down to this dark, decrepit world to save us. And thank you that in every way throughout your word you have continued to point to yourself. That you reminded the Pharisees that that manna that they continue to look at as something wonderful all represented you. And I praise you for that. And I pray, Lord, that each one of us here, the things that we have known and seen, that if we're missing... If we're missing that vision of you, that right now we would have our eyes unblinded, that we would recognize how much you've done for us and how you sustain us and that you are everything your word is talking about. In your name I pray,
1: amen. Amen. Jesus took the bread and he broke it and he gave thanks and he said eat of it all of you this is represents my body that will be broken for you let us eat together and when he had finished the bread he took the cup and he and gave thanks and he asked them to drink of the cup and how it represented his blood that would be shed for them. And now Rick is going to have a prayer for the juice, and we will then distribute the juice. Let's pray together.
0: Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the gift of your son, Jesus. And as we partake in this service, we just ask that you would help us to think about um, The sacrifice that he made for us is blood that was shed. And as we drink this juice that represents that blood, um, we ask that you would draw us closer to you. And we thank you and praise you for the gift of salvation. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Amen. And Jesus took the cup and he said, this is my, this is the blood of the new covenant. And he, he asked them all to drink of it because he wanted, he wanted salvation to be for everyone. Let us drink together. When um, I'm sorry, when humanity fell in the garden, we inherited a sin problem, and Jesus is the remedy for that problem. And he he promised that he would take our sins so that we could have eternal life. And he he said at the Last Supper, he said, he's providing the solution. And he said, I won't drink of this cup again until I drink it new with you in the kingdom. So he's providing the solution, but he's also pointing us forward to the day when we will spend eternity with him. Please, just, I just invite you to accept Jesus as your Savior, and to let him have every area of your life. Not some, not part of it, every aspect of your life. Because if we don't, the devil will take that part, and it will lead us in a path of destruction.